What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Ah, yes. Welcome in. We're headed to Memorial Day weekend. Everybody be safe with everything you're doing. And we've got a pay-per-view. Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. Gervonta Davis, Roly Romero that we're anxious to talk about and preview and go over that and all the news of the week and much more. Here is part of the Big Fight Weekend preview podcast. I am merely the somewhat competent host. He is our insider. Our content partner on Big Fight Weekend is Dan Rayfield back aboard. I'm not sure if uh, if Dan is ready to do any grilling this weekend. We did not go over the dinner plans. We will be grilling in the Reeves household. Are you a big, uh, you know, fire up the grill and do the barbecue and do the hot dogs and do that? Not not you. Yes, you. Not you. What's the story? We, we, on that? Do, we do have a, an outstanding uh, grill, a barbecue that we have that my mom bought for us a couple <laughs> years ago. That's just fantastic. Right. But when and we do like to grill, but my wife likes to take over the grilling. So right. I leave that to her. Well, can, I don't know if we're going to grill this weekend, but we will at some point on a regular basis throughout the summer. Understood. Uh, so, yes, it's a big weekend. There's a lot going on, including the boxing and everything that's happening. So we're going to get into that. We want to tell you right now, however you found us, as is the case, and more and more of you are finding us. Thank you for doing so. By the thousands, I'm looking at all the podcast numbers, the thousands and thousands more of you that have found us over the course of the last 30 to 45 days. Thank you. Keep doing it and keep following or subscribing on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed because we've got great content not only this preview show the fight freaks unite recap show that dan and i do recaps off the weekend there'll be one coming off of this javante davis pay-per-view this weekend his extra coverage whenever he's talked to errol spence or oscar de la hoya or eddie hearn my man is hitting grand slam after grand slam he's like aaron judge in the box for the new york yankees Whenever he's got one of those special podcasts, if you're following or subscribing on this feed, you get it automatically without us having to tell you. So again, follow or subscribe Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast feed. Search it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And do another thing just real quick, rate us and review us. For those that are hearing us, rate us and review us because that helps others find it as well. Take 90 seconds, sign in there on Apple Podcasts, say, hey, uh, Dan is a fantastic human being, whatever you want to say. Uh, they can, they can say I'm the worst human being in the world That's as long right. as they're listening. Just give us a listen, give us a review send that in there we love all of that okay so much to get to uh again we're going to hear from devin haney he's about to challenge for the world uh undisputed lightweight championship in australia next weekend not this weekend devin already there in australia you talked to him recently before he left you were out in las vegas he was there we're going to hear from him in a few moments raul marquez of showtime is right here on the show and you're going to want to hear this interview in the preview mode raul is on the the spanish call of the showtime pay-per-view with gervonta davis and roly romero raul doing the interview from a unique place and a unique reason why how's that for a tease <clears throat> You'll hear from Raul in a little bit on the pay-per-view from Brooklyn, uh, New York. Uh, before we get to those conversations, a couple of other news items. You and I are eventually going to predict the Davis-Romero fight a little bit later on. 
Uh, some news of the week. We have found out, you wrote about this, Canelo has officially said, and it is now agreed to, he's fighting Triple G next. No huge surprise there. It won't be a rematch trying to defeat Dimitri Bivol uh, as a light heavyweight. It will instead be the scheduled, planned-on Triple G trilogy fight. Dan, your thoughts real quick. Not surprised. Uh, it's, it's the bigger fight commercially. I think it's the more exciting fight for the fans. You know, given the choice between uh, the one or the other between Canelo fighting Bevo or fighting Triple G, and frankly, it's the more winnable fight based on what we've seen uh, in terms of what Canelo was able to do with Bevo in the fight that was uh, on May seventh. So I know that Canelo came to the news conference after the fight. He said so in the ring before he came to the news conference that he wanted the rematch. Uh, but I think when you take a step back and you get a chance to take your breath and take the temperature of your team and of the uh, zone and all the people that go into that. Uh, he did the right thing. He's, he's taken on Gennady Golovkin. Um, that's not to say that there's not a chance he'll fight Dimitri Bivo in a rematch, perhaps in the next single Mayo fight. But for the time being, it's uh, Triple G3 and uh, take care of that business back, defending the undisputed super middleweight title. And, uh, and, and after that, he can reassess if he wants to go back into that fire against Bivo. Very interesting for Canelo on that choice. I agree with you. You've been consistent with this analysis that that's the more lucrative, more interesting fight, uh, not just in this country, but maybe worldwide. All right, so let's spin it over to Bevel's situation here. Now that that's been announced, do you believe he will go ahead and fight another fight against someone, or would he be content hypothetically to wait close to a year for a Canelo rematch without being active. I don't see that. What's your insight? Yeah, no, I don't think that's happening because even if that, even if he was going to do that, there's no guarantee that Canelo is going to fight him uh, a second time in May. So why are you going to sit around waiting? You have no idea what's going to occur in September and you have no idea that whatever Canelo does win or lose, if he's going to want to fight you after that. Anyway, there's no way that he's going to just sit and not fight. He's uh, a younger fighter, relatively speaking, compared to Canelo. Um, he has far more fewer fights compared to a lot of champions out there. Uh, no, there's, he's going to fight. Uh, and, and, and he said in, in the, in the, in the pre-fight, you know, that if he, that, you know, whatever happened in the fight was going to be up to Canelo to decide and determine whether he was going to fight him again next, or he was going to go on to something else. He made the point though, that his preference would be to go on to something else. He was saying this before the fight. And, you know, again, after the fight, again, it was going to be up to Canelo, but I think now that he's free of that obligation right off, you know, in terms of his next fight, that he's going to, he's going to look to fight a bigger name. He, he liked, he would like to fight the winner of the upcoming fight next month between uh, Joe Smith Jr. and Arthur Better be if we're going to meet to unify three of the light heavyweight titles. He, of course, has the fourth. So if he can get a fight with one of those guys in the fall, uh, that would be for the undisputed How championship. How realistic, if I can interject, do you believe that is an undisputed? How realistic for I, him? I think that fight's probably a little bit unrealistic for a lot of different reasons. Uh, not entirely. I wouldn't close the door on it completely. I think the more likely fight is probably he's going to have to do the mandatory against Gilberto Rosario Ramirez, which is a very good fight. If you're a boxing fan, that's a hell of a matchup. It's certainly, uh, you know, nothing that either man is going to be afraid to take. Bivol's been, uh, no, he didn't fight Zerto not because he was afraid of him. He was not fighting him because he was going to get the monster possibility of fighting Canelo. And uh, and Zerto's been calling out Bivol for the better part of a year. So that's a fight that their teams have already discussed before he got the Canelo fight. You know, Bivol took the Canelo fight, so Zerto has stayed busy uh, with the Yonieski Gonzalez fight. Then again, with the uh, fight that he did uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, um, you know, um, against Bosell. So that's that's uh, if you're not fighting the rematch with Canelo, that's probably one of the bigger fights you can make in the weight class, other than 
fighting the Joe Smith better be a winner. So uh, whoever Dimitri fights, he's not going to sit on his rear end and not fight. He's going to fight. All right. Very intriguing on that. We kind of move along on the news of the week a little bit. And again, we'll hear from Devin Haney in just a few moments. Raul Marquez later on here in the podcast. And Dan and I making picks on the Gervonta Davis, Roley Romero main event, the pay-per-view, Showtime pay-per-view, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Um, all right. Uh, we'll get to Devin Haney in a second. Uh, I don't know that you have a statue erected anywhere of you, but Deontay <laughs> Wilder now has one in hello, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, his hometown. I thought that was a neat thing to see midweek, just real quick, um, that they recognized him again. He is a hero that kind of came from rags. A lot of fighters do poor background, whatever has made himself into a multimillionaire heavyweight champion. They put a lifestyle statue up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Dan, What's your reaction? And also, uh, Deontay, at the same time, from a new standpoint, making it apparently clear, I want to continue to fight. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, Deontay's uh, saying out loud he's going to fight is not in any way a surprise. I don't think anybody that really uh, follows the sport and knows uh, what's going on never for two seconds thought that Deontay Wilder was retiring. I'm glad to hear that he's coming back because I still think he's got some good fights to give him the chance to do something. And he's still one of the uh, best and, and most interesting and most exciting fighters out there to watch. So that doesn't surprise me. I thought the statue was pretty cool. It looked a lot like him. Uh, I know this, Deontay's still an active boxer and he's got a statue in his hometown. It took the, the, the folks in Philadelphia about, you know, 40 years to put up a statue of Joe Frazier. Um, and he right. certainly has a, you know, uh, an even bigger name <laughs> than Deontay Wilder does, but uh, no, it's a nice thing to do in the, in the hometown uh, Deontay has always been proud of being from Tuscaloosa. You know, he wears those Alabama roots on his heart, you know, on his sleeve, talks about it all the time, uh, comes into the ring sometimes to sweet home Alabama. Um, I've been to Alabama a couple of times mm-hmm. to cover fights of Deontay's that have taken place in Birmingham, not too far away. The fans there love him. And uh, that was nice to see him getting some of that hometown love and uh, um, happy to hear that he makes it uh, apparent that he will be back in the ring against who and when exactly is still not clear. I suspect sometime before the end of this year come uh, in the mid fall, but uh, welcome back Deontay Wilder. All right. We'll see if it's Robert Hellenius. Maybe there's a name. There could be some other names. Possible. We'll see, we'll see who it is. Uh, interesting. Andy Ruiz might've been a name, but Ruiz is already lined up to fight King Kong, Luis Ortiz, a guy that Wilder beat a couple of times. So we'll see how it sorts out. And if we have, Uh, Wilder back. All right. So that leads us into your conversation with Devin Haney. Again, that fight now about to be uh, in Australia a week from now, it will be Saturday night, us time, Sunday afternoon, Australian time. And we should mention before we hear the conversation, there is news. It's now out there for public consumption that Haney's dad, Bill, who has been his trainer, been in his corner all along. He will not be there by, by all accounts. It looks like he will not be there because of an immigration situation with a previous arrest uh, and jail time for him. They won't allow him a visa to be in the country. Dan, pick up on that. And then we're about to hear from Devin Haney on a conversation you did recently, right? Yeah, well, Australia, they have a lot, uh, a lot stricter immigration rules for visitors coming to the country. And, and unfortunately for Bill, who had a, uh, a drug conviction, literally like 30 years ago, like, as he points out, well before Devin Haney was even born, um, that it's going to prevent him most likely from attending the fight and being involved in the in the corner. Now, it's not 100%. They, they have people behind the scenes trying to work on it, trying to see what they can do. But Bill's pretty uh, resigned. It seems like that he's not going to be able to be there. He did the interview 
uh, with Mark Kriegel on ESPN on the broadcast I had this past Saturday from Las Vegas because Bill lives in Vegas. So he went over there and appeared with Mark in the interview and, and told uh, that situation, you know, explained that situation. And what they've done now is send Devin to Australia, who's now been there for over a week uh, with a very close family friend of theirs, somebody that's like a father figure to uh, Bill, a grandfather figure uh, to Devin, and that's Yoel Judah. Uh, a fine trainer and a well-known boxing person in his own right for having trained his sons as professionals, including, of course, Zab Judah, the former undisputed welterweight world champion and a former junior welterweight title holder. So uh, if if Bill, in fact, cannot make the trip, uh, at least uh, his son is in good hands with Yoel, and they will talk on the video conferences uh, before the fight, and they'll try to figure out a way if he can be there video-wise in terms of like a, a you know, a, a FaceTime or some kind of video situation between rounds. That, that remains to be seen. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it took a lot for Devin to, to do that without his father. He's been in his corner his whole career and for, the, for his father to let go like that. But, you know, when you're in this type of situation, when you're a champion and you're going to fight for the undisputed title against the guy with all the other belts in his hometown, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And this is a huge opportunity. And, uh, and Devin was very motivated, very excited for it. And as you're going to hear in the interview, when I spoke to Devin, they had a media day for him at the top-ranked gym where he was working out and, and uh, preparing for this fight. This was, uh, uh, I believe it was the day before uh, the Canelo alvarez Dimitri Bivol fight in Las Vegas. He was in great spirits. Um, as I have written and I have said, uh, massive credit to Devin Haney. I know a lot of fighters, when they do these media days, they get a little short with guys later as it goes on. They're not real thrilled about doing a million interviews. They just want to do the workout, you know, maybe a couple interviews and get the heck out of there. But, but Devin and Bill, for the entirety of this uh, thing, this was a couple hours, they did every single interview, answered every single question, gave every single outlet the time that they needed. And, and Devin, of course, was asked certain, certain questions because a lot of these, these are all one-on-ones. People basically lined up on this was one of mine when I got my, you know, like, you know, eight or 10 minutes with them. Um, you get asked the same questions a lot. And so by the time you've been asked the same question five or six times, you know, you're, you're not necessarily mad at the person asking, but you're kind of annoyed at the whole situation. Not Devin Haney. He was a total gentleman. And, you know, him and Bill Haney, they get it. They're professionals. Uh, I give him a tremendous amount of respect for that. He's he wants to be a superstar. And one of the ways you become a superstar is to handle your media obligations the way that Devin did and the way that Bill did. And, uh, you know, he's now there in Australia getting ready for the fight of his life for the uh, to, to box for the undisputed championship of the world in the lightweight division. We'll see what happens. I expect it to be one hell of a fight. Should be great stuff. Again, let's go back to this conversation again in the context. Dan talked to him a couple of weeks ago, Devin Haney here before leaving, obviously, to go to Australia in and around the Canelo Bevel uh, fight timeline is when this conversation took place. Here is Dan Rayfield with the WBC World Lightweight Champion, Devin Haney. Just give me your initial thoughts of making that trip, of going to Australia for not just any old fight even, but just for the biggest fight that there is in the weight class, the undisputed championship of the world. Yeah, man, this is all a dream come true for, for me. Um, I'm thankful that I finally got my shot. I've been calling the top guys out for a while. I've been calling for these big fights. And uh, finally now uh, I'm going to get my opportunity. And it just happened to be in Australia, but it's no difference if it was here or Australia. Um, as long as I, I'm able to get in the ring and showcase my skills against these guys, I knew that I'll come up victorious. I think a lot of people have to have a lot of respect for the fact that you didn't really hesitate to take the fight. You know, Australia, George made it very clear that when he won the title, he was going to defend at home. Um, did you have any trepidation whatsoever about traveling to his home country? No, no. Um, they, everything that they, 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 they demanded everything. They didn't uh, budge or, not, or nothing about nothing with the negotiations. All I asked is for fair, all I asked for was fair judging. And uh, 
that's it. You know, they, they, everything that they uh, asked for, we gave them. Uh, because I just feel like I'm truly the better fighter. I'm truly the, the more skillful fighter. And uh, no matter what, where it is, uh, I know I'm going to get the job done. When you watch him fight against uh, Teofimo Lopez or maybe any other fights you may have seen of his, what what are your impressions just of him as a fighter? He obviously shows a lot of heart the way he did against Teofimo. He fought you know, a really good fight that night. But what is your impression of him as a boxer? Um, I think he's durable. He's tough. Uh, I don't know what to really say because I'm, I'm, I'm outside looking in. Uh, I do believe that I'm just a better, far better fighter. I got more skill, more speed, more power, uh, better ring IQ. I'm the bigger man. Uh, all, all the attributes uh, is, is against him, and uh, I will show it. How do you uh, mentally deal with the fact there may be, you know, whatever, 50,000, 60,000, whatever? I mean, a really big crowd, and, you know, the only guys rooting for you would be like, you know, the top ring people and your father and, you know, your, main, your, your closest, you know, what few people that might have traveled over there with you. Yeah, um, it, it it won't make no difference. Wherever the, wherever the ring is, that's my home. Yeah. Uh, I don't care where it is. It could be Australia, it could be Mexico, it could be anywhere. Uh, wherever that ring is, when I get in there, I make it my home. So uh, it, it, it won't matter how many people are screaming, how many people are yelling. They can't fight for him. You know, I followed your career pretty much since the beginning. I remember when you fought in Vegas on, I think it was a Floyd Mayweather undercard many years ago. No, uh, no, it was, or was a, it? Uh, Pacquiao. Pacquiao undercard. Right, yeah. uh, yeah, right, that's right, that's right. You have a better memory than I do. But you started your career fighting in these little bar fights in, in Mexico when you were a teenager. You know, I know it was a long process before you were a known fighter. Then you got the chance finally to get on TV for a little bit on Showtime and slowly but surely build yourself into a championship fighter. So... Just give me your reflections on going from fighting in front of, a, you know, what, a couple hundred people in a, in, a, in a bar card in Tijuana to now being in one of the biggest fights in the world. Yeah, um, this is all a, a, a dream come true. Um, fighting in Mexico in a bar, you never thought that you would be, you, you'd make it this far. Was, well, I knew that I would make it this far, but it was just long, long, I knew I had a long road. I wasn't a guy that just came out of amateurs and signed to a big promoter and was fighting on big shows. I fought in Mexico for uh, uh, a long period of time, so uh, it, 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 it was it's been a long time coming for me. Um, I wasn't even fighting on TV. I didn't I didn't really fight on TV until uh, Showbox, right? Showbox, exactly. And that was like my 19th fight. So was it was the journey worth it then? I mean, in other words, did that make you who you are today as not only a boxer but as a person by it, going through that sort of difficult uh, coming up? The journey has ha, ha, couldn't be more worth it. Uh, you know, uh, everything that that it took to get here has prepared me for this moment. Um, I, I've been, I've been in, I enjoyed the journey to get here. Uh, I'm happy with what it took to get here, and uh, I wouldn't have had it uh, any other way. Obviously, you're no longer with Matchroom. I know you had, did a bunch of fights with them. But I felt like you guys had a good relationship. Can you t- just talk to me a little bit about what it's been like to? You know, for obvious reasons, but break apart from them because of the fact that this was the fight that you wanted and was the only way to get the fight. That you're not with them anymore. Is there? Is it weird? Is there any bad blood? Is are you, you know, disappointed the way that it ended? Like, what's your thoughts about that? Um, I'm not disappointed because I got what I truly wanted, and that was to, to, to fight for undisputed and just to stamp my name in the history books forever. It's about legacy. Uh, but you know, did I want to leave? No. You know, I'm a very loyal guy, and they were good to me. But I had to do what was best for my career, and I couldn't thank top-ranked Bob Arum, uh, Lou DiBella, uh, for making this fight happen, and, uh, you know. You and Eddie cool, though, and that's still cool? Yeah, yeah, it's nothing but respect. Uh, but I had to do what was best, and uh, Bob Arum was, was able to deliver. Lou DiBella was able to deliver. My dad was able to deliver. So uh, I had to do what, what, what I had to do.
and we talked about your journey, and but I know the person that's been by side by side with you the whole time. Uh, you're your biggest fan, your main guy, your trainer, you know, your father. What's it? What do you think it's like for him? The, the, the how proud he is that you guys as a team have gotten from what he started training you as a kid to the point where now you're in this kind of fight. Yeah, uh, I know that he's proud, but uh, I don't want him to get too proud uh, because at the end of the day, we still we still got to to handle business on June fourth. We're we're all thankful for the opportunity, but. We still gotta, we still gotta handle business, and uh, that's the main thing to go in there and uh, to stay focused through this process. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, stay, stay focused. And uh, June fourth, uh, it's gonna be a fun night for Devin Haney. Um, I'm, all my dreams and everything that I that I prayed for since a young kid that I worked for uh, will, will will be answered. I just want to wrap up with this, uh, and I have been on your side about this element of this fight. Many people have been calling George Cambosis the undisputed champion, and as much respect yeah, as right I have, yes, I have saw you. As, as much respect as I have for what George has accomplished, I, I was been steadfast say he is not the undisputed champion, not yes. because he's a bad guy or he's not no, a good fighter. Sure. He did not have the the true hardware that you have, whether you got it uh, because it was vacant and you were elevated, not your fault. That's the way it's been done. And just give me your thoughts about that whole email nonsense. Yeah, I mean, this is my fifth title defense. Uh, I've been taking on all comers fighting all my mandatories. So how could I say I was email champion when I've been taking fighting the guys that that that's been working their way up since fucking you know working their way through the ranks to fight for a world title and and I've been beating them. How annoyed did that make you though that they were downing you because you, through no fault of yours you were willing to fight Lomachenko you were willing to fight those fights and I mean they gonna find something to say they gonna find anybody any by any means necessary they gonna find something but uh I'm happy that you know we put a stop to all that and uh it, uh, it's, it's, it's come to an end. It's been a long road of hate, and now you know they're going. They're, right, they're so going to. The last um, thing that when you get the praise. if you win, hoisting all those belts, you are the only guy with the hardware in the weight class. How will that make you feel? That's going to make me so feel so good. I can't wait to pose with a picture with all my belts <laughs> and uh, feel like the king of king, king of the world. Devin Haney, thank you very much, and best of luck in Australia. Thanks, Dan. You got it. Again, you said it leading into that interview. He answered all the questions, said all the right things. I agree with you. Give him full credit. He understands what the deal is. Just like Cambosis had to come to the United States and get this done against Teofimo Lopez uh, back in, in November of, of last year uh, to get the win. He's having to do the same thing to go to Cambosis' homeland down under in Australia to get it done. There, and if, and There's if one can, little difference though about yeah, that, TJ. Sure. And when George came here, he was the number one challenger and didn't really have that choice. Sure. Devin Haney. Uh, you know, George has got three of the belts and is considered the champion, but Devin Haney has his own leverage because he's the WBC champion and they could have made it into a big thing, but he wasn't a, a, about to let the opportunity escape him because remember this was supposed to be uh, George Cambosis Jr. against his mandatory challenger, Vasily Lomachenko. That fight was a done deal. Lomachenko begged out of the fight because of his own situation sure. back home in Ukraine, where he decided to stay. Once that occurred, then Haney was offered the fight. He obviously, uh, did not, the fight did not take place on DAZN, which was not that interested in the fight. He ended up leaving uh, DAZN and Eddie Hearn, where his contract was up anyway, signed with Top Rank to get this deal done with uh, Top Rank and Lou DiBella, and now he's got the opportunity of a lifetime. All right, so he's there. We'll see what happens. That's next weekend. Plenty of time to preview that fight for you and me, written and on the podcast on Big Fight Weekend, on the website, and on the preview podcast of Cambosis Haney from Australia. Saturday night in the U.S., Sunday afternoon, in Melbourne, Australia. We look forward to that next week. What we do look forward to on this podcast is previewing Gervonta Davis, Roly Romero. Dan, stand by. We've got more on that. Raul Marquez of Showtime is straight ahead. Stay with us.
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. As promised, he's got some great insight and he's got some great taste. I mean, it's not every day that I get to do one of these interviews on the Big Fight Weekend podcast with somebody that says, hang on a sec. I got to line up my Zoom because I'm in the Louis Vuitton store. (laughs) And I thought you were joking, but Raul Marquez of Showtime is serious. So I'm glad that you're with us. Even though this is an audio podcast, they may see a video clip of you hanging at the Louis Vuitton store. Uh, in New York. So yeah, there's the Louis Vuitton bag right there. He's there. He's hanging. <laughs> we, we go to every extent possible to get the interview, to get the conversation. And this Gervonta Davis, Roly Romero uh, pay-per-view is that big that we got to get Raul on. First of all, good to have you back. Thank you for doing this. And I know we're getting close now to this pay-per-view fight and we're, and we're anxious to see what's going to happen with Gervonta Davis back in the ring and in New York. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm pumped up about this fight. You know, I actually, I got into New York about an hour ago. And I said, I know I got an interview, very important interview with you. I said, but I got to go get my, my wardrobe on. You know, I had to buy me some uh, shoes. I, I was been looking for some shoes. So I came to the Louis Vuitton store. You know, I got I, hey, to look good. I'm doing the way in. It is very with- important to buy good looking shoes for the audio interviews that we do on the podcast. That is, <laughs> that is true. My man has been on the ground for like an hour and he's already hitting Louis Vuitton and who knows what else he's going to be hitting. Uh, Polo Loren later on, something else. I, yeah, I'm we'll not, see. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, so before, as I as I tease the audience, before we get to this one, can I ask you one quick thing? You thing you worked the David Benavides main event, the knockout yes. win over David yes. Lemieux last weekend in Phoenix on Showtime with Mauro Ronaldo, Al Bernstein, and the whole crew. Uh, it was impressive to us watching from a distance. How impressive from ringside, Raul? Oh man, he the, the guy's a beast, man. Uh, his he's explosive, his power, his speed. I love when he throws, you know, like he throws like a 20 punch combination and then he tries to nail you with a hard shot. Then he goes back again with a 10 punch combination. I mean, he's a he's a really good fighter, man. He's a, he's got the, the the size, the height, the reach, the power. Uh, he's young. He's hungry. Benavides is uh, one of the best at 168. He is the best. And so a lot of people have looked at this and said, hey, Lemieux, uh, blown up middleweight, older, worn down. How much do you buy into Benavides looking that good because of what I just laid out because of the opponent maybe not being up to par? Do you buy that a little? I mean, possibly, you know, but hey, Lemieux, I mean, he showed a lot of heart. Uh, he w- He's a veteran that had been in there with some of the top guys, you know, like Triple G. And uh, he, you know, he showed that, he took a, a punch, man. He kept getting up. He take he kept taking those punches. I mean, if the if the corner would have never stopped the fight, he was still he would have still been there, you know. So that's why sometimes it's good to have a good corner and make the decision because he was game and he was at the same time he was throwing wild shots. He was trying to land that home run. He's a power puncher. Uh, he caught Benavides with some good shots. Uh, he he's a warrior, you know. And I I, I think uh, it was a good fight. Uh, for Benavides, you know, no, nobody else wants to fight him right now at 168. So he's got to just keep fighting whoever they put in front of him. You know, don't talk about it. Be about it. Keep beating these guys. I know he wants to cash cow. I know he wants Canelo. Canelo's going to do what he wants to do because he is the man. He's the boss. He's still the big draw. And sooner or later, you know, if Benavides keeps beating these guys, maybe fight like a Caleb Plant, maybe fight like a, a Charlo that's talking about moving up from 160 to 168 
Just keep beating those guys. And he's, you know, if he beats those guys, he'll, he'll end up fighting Canelo. Canelo is going to end up fighting him one day because Canelo loves the challenge. I mean, you saw what Canelo's always been, you know, loving challenges. Look, he would try to do the impossible, trying to beat a guy like Bevo. Now he's coming back down to 68. He's going to fight Triple G again. And I'm sure that that fight is going to be there down the line if Benavides keeps being this guy's. Just keep winning. This guy won. This guy's a former world champion at junior welterweight. He has outstanding taste with shopping as well. He's Raul Marquez with us for a few more moments from Showtime Sports. Their coverage of the Gervonta Davis pay-per-view with Roley Romero. All right, now at the time that we're talking, you've just gotten to town. You should know we've been watching the press conference stuff, the buildup. Some of it is hype. Uh, I think part of the intrigue here is Romero. You You don't know how... How loosey goosey is he? How crazy is he? How how dangerous is he for Gervonta Davis? The unknown is very intriguing to me with Romero. Yes. How intriguing for you? Very, very. I mean, we had him in fighter meetings. Uh, you know, by the way, I'm doing the Wayne show tomorrow with Brian Campbell and uh Steven Jackson and Tracy McGrady. That's why that's why I had to buy my Louis, man. I gotta look good, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, anyways, yeah, going back to uh Rollies, I mean, this guy, and I know him personally, I've been around him and stuff, and he's a character, man. He he's not scared, he's very confident, you know. His attitude is look, I'm gonna F him up this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I want to beat him so bad that I don't want him to ever fight again. And, you know, Rollies, he, he's a strong guy. He definitely has the power. And you could never underestimate a guy like that because he has a very awkward style. You don't know where he's coming from, you know, especially early on. I think Tank Davis is to be on point with his defense. Even throughout the whole fight, you could never count a guy like Roley out because you don't know where he's coming from. And he's coming with power, with a lot of power. Even if, you know, if it's the fourth, fifth, sixth round, all it takes is one shot because he's got that kind of power. So I think Tank Davis, you know, he's definitely the better skilled fighter. You know, he's definitely the guy that is very explosive with his combinations. He's fast. Uh, he's got good footwork. I mean, he's, his IQ is just, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a technical fighter. And if I was him, I would box Roley early, really box him in the first half of the fight and try to break him down. You know, he don't need to go toe-to-toe. Roley wants him to go toe-to-toe because that's Roley's fight. Because I do feel that Roley could be stronger and maybe he is more powerful. So he's, you know, like I said, uh, Tank's got to be careful early on. And even throughout the whole fight, you can't you can't count this guy out. I think it's going to be a fun fight. And, of course, Roley's done a really good job of selling the fight because, uh, I mean, it, the way he talks, you know, instead of, Oh, this guy's crazier that I mean he makes me laugh. I mean, he I mean he's got he he's got a good way of uh his confidence, you know, that I think it's good that he's confident in that kind of way. I think a lot of people yeah. look at it that are fight fans as either you enjoy that or you're gonna tune in to watch him get his head knocked off. And either yeah, way, it, it, it works helps, both ways. It helps sell the pay-per-view. And you know what? Either way. The, the same way, like his promoter, Floyd Mayweather. What did Mayweather used to be do at the beginning? He used to talk all kinds of smack mm-hmm. so people could that you either love him, like you said, you either love him or you hate him, and all those people are going to tune in. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, a couple more before we let Raul Marquez go, and I love uh, his insight. Does Gervonta Davis remind you? I mean, you mentioned Floyd Mayweather. There's comparisons, but Mayweather was a little bigger. Pernell Whitaker is probably unfair, and that's your contemporary around the Olympic time, and, and Whitaker's a Hall of Famer, the late Pernell. Uh does he remind you, Gervonta Davis, at this stage of his career, uh, of any of those comparisons? Who does do who does he possibly remind you of? 
Honestly, he, you know, Javante Davis is Tank Davis. I don't think he, you know, there's only one Pernell Whitaker. I sparred a lot when I was with the Duvas. I did a lot of sparring with Pernell. Trust me, he, he was amazing. He was amazing. Lefty. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, hit him, he was right? Unbelievable. You could not yes. hit him. You couldn't his hit him. Jab, the, his jab, the way he dissected with the jab, the way he hit you from different angles. You know, he hit you on the arms. Like Georgie Benton used to say, that his old school trainer from Philadelphia, hit him anywhere, hit him anywhere, hit him in the arms, hit him in the legs when the referee's not looking. I mean, he would he would hit you anywhere. So I don't compare Javanta to to Floyd, you know, and Floyd is a different breed too, or a uh, Pernell, you know, Tank is Tank. He's a really good fighter. He's proven himself. He's, you know, up there in the pound for pound list. And, you know, this is a very important fight for him. He needs to shine. He needs to look good and, and you know, keep impressing people that way. They'll put him up there. And one more, we saw him really in a firefight, for lack of a better phrase, with Leo Santa Cruz, where Santa Cruz was landing on Javante Davis. And then all it took was the, the one shot. He set up the one shot. I don't know if we're going to get that Saturday night at the Barclays Center or not, but I'm intrigued that we might get that. We might get him, Davis, willing to stand toe-to-toe, Raul, and it could come down to who lands the big shot like you were letting uh, in before. Hey, you're right. You're right. I think this fight right here, uh, you know, when, when when Tank Davis was signed Leo Santa Cruz, uh, you know, Santa Cruz, you know, was what he was won a couple of rounds and he was tagging him. Now, Rollies is naturally a bigger, stronger guy than Santa Cruz. Can you imagine if Rollies is able to land those shots on Tank Davis? Now, if Tank goes toe-to-toe with Rollies, and obviously Rollies is going to welcome that because that's what he wants, somebody is going down. Somebody's getting knocked the F out, and we don't know who he's going to be. You know, I'm thinking, you know, it would be uh, Rollies the one getting knocked out, but you could never count this nice. guy out because – He's so unpredictable when he when he he's so awkward, you know, and then maybe it comes from this judo background or something, but he's a very awkward fighter and you could never count him out. That's that's my take. You can't count this man out either. Again, he's part of the weigh-in show, depending on when you're hearing the podcast, with Showtime and the coverage. Uh, he's also on the broadcast in Espanol, I believe. I'm doing the Spanish. I'm back in on the Espanol, Spanish. Espanol, so, yeah. but we, we love it, whether it's in English or in Espanol. Because and I do showbox. You know, I do showbox. I have a showbox show, by the way. Uh, uh, yes. you, you the with, uh, you Hall with, of Fame uh, weekend with uh, Brian Campbell so, and Barry Thompson. So that's coming, what, two weeks, right? June the 10th, uh, the, Hall of Fame weekend, Hall of Fame weekend. With the heavyweights, uh, as yes. a matter of fact, too. The Russian, the big... yeah, you're on top. You, man, you're, you're, you're on schedule, we man. We you try. Know, you know what's going on. Uh, Yalilov, the big Uzbek. Uh, we look yes. to see what he has in there that. We but go. for this weekend, it's Gervonta Davis, uh, Roly Romero, Showtime pay-per-view. We love Raul Marquez's insight. I'm glad you're looking good uh, for, the, for the broadcast. Good luck with Sun G. Gio Marquez, who's now a yes. pro when you're in the corner. Gio, actually, my son's down here, too. He's, he's waiting for me out there. So All right. he's 1-0, and and, you know, maybe he prohibited on Showbox. Showtime and look out for him. He's going to be coming out. We are excited about all these things. Promise me that I get to see the Louis Vuittons at some point. They got to get me a shot of that this weekend. Tune in tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow for the weigh-ins, and you will see my nice white, cream white (laughs) Louis Vuitton shoes that are going to stand out. They're gonna, I, they're gonna, they're gonna shine like a, you know, my name El Diamante, they're like the diamond. My nickname, the, the, they're gonna shine. They're gonna pop the out like the diamond. Right. All right. Yes. The, kid, the kids love to say the drip. I've got kids. You've got Geo. The kids love to say the drip. The drip is the strong. Drip. The drip the, is strong. I like that. How he's gonna I like look. that. The drip is good. The on drip. That. That's listen, it. listen. Tremendous stuff. Thank you. Good luck on the pay per view. We appreciate you, Raúl Marquez.
Man, thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure and always a good time with you. Okay. I don't know what shoes you're wearing. I'm typically a tennis shoe guy. He's got the Louis Vuitton shoes. I, I kid you not. Again, we'll have a video tease probably of this. He says he's going to have them on at the weigh-in show. Your thing is nobody shows your feet, especially in radio and in podcasts. Nobody <laughs> shows your feet. But Raul was big on being at the Louis Vuitton store and getting the white shoes that he says are phenomenal. Uh, I, I, mean, don't know if if, I don't know what he's doing, but he's that's what he's doing. If the truth be known, I'm sitting here at my desk, my office, and I, I'm being honest, I'm wearing slippers. <laughs> can i be honest with you i'm barefoot right now <laughs> there you doing go the show but we can't get but my my, my feet aren't going to be on the podcast right, exactly on the, the video it's version of this mind. they're not going to be on the youtube channel it's uh... theater of the mind whatever but yeah raul he was in the louis vuitton and he again he does a great job with the insight and the analysis so let's segue into that as can we Dan can we get a sponsorship from louis vuitton maybe? we should as many times as i've mentioned it uh, by the way, uh, so again, as Dan Rayfield is back with me, obviously, uh, Raul is talking about Roly Romero being awkward but still dangerous with the big punch. Let's segue right into the main event, the Showtime pay-per-view main event. Gervonta Davis is the guy that is expected to win. He's the featured guy. How To you, how dangerous is Romero in your mind for this fight Saturday, or is he much more talk and yap than what we're going to see in the ring? Go ahead. Uh, I mean, he's much more yap, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Raleigh Romero, I mean, he's got a good punch. I don't take that away from him. But who's it been against? He's 14-0. I mean, and let's just be honest, TJ. And I, I don't dislike Raleigh Romero, and I don't think he's untalented or anything like that. But, he, he you know, for the people who out there who like to um, look down or downgrade the, the resume of a Gervonta Davis because he has not yet faced the, the very best in the lightweight division, although he has faced some good opponents, the, the resume of, of Raleigh Romero is devoid of anything of consequence. I mean, if your biggest win is against an overweight, never that good in the first place, Anthony Yigit, um, and, and, a, and a win against an Avery, an Avery Sparrow, who's, you know, really like a journeyman kind of an opponent. And most people thought you lost against Mariniez on the Showtime fight when he won uh, the interim title when the WBA was still handing those out. Uh, that's not a lot to go on. And, you know, besides that, most of his fights were six-round scheduled fights, eight-round scheduled fights. So he hasn't really done anything in terms of victories to actually earn this fight. Um, it doesn't mean he can't be good and, and continue to improve or anything like that. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying his resume is devoid of anything that would make you think he's going to really have a serious chance to beat uh, a guy like Javante Davis, who again has not faced the elite guys, but he's fought a lot of quality names and beaten all of them, whether it's Leo Santa Cruz or it's, uh, you know, even the close fight with Isaac Cruz or when he was a junior lightweight knocking out Jose Pedraza, who's still trucking along, who went on to win a lightweight title, who's now a good quality junior lightweight contender, who's faced lots of good opponents. So, you know, he fought uh, and beat a uh, Yuri Orcas Gamboa. Granted, he was not at his number in his mm -hmm. A level game, but again, he's beaten good quality names over the last several years. Um, and I, to me, the combination of Tank Davis's amateur background, his experience as a professional, his offensive ability, his, his, um, he does have some defensive ability in the sense that he's not a reckless fighter, even though he does get touched a little bit. I just, to me, it all adds up. Like, I don't see how Raleigh Romero wins unless he just happens to get lucky with a just lands a giant punch and catches Tank the right way. And that can happen in any boxing match. But if Raleigh Romero, who was predicting a first round knockout, is serious about pursuing that, and just wants to walk to the center of the ring and start throwing bombs, you know, I don't think that's going to work for him. I think Tank Davis is more than prepared to deal with something like that, and we'll see.
to that end for our friends at BetUS. And by the way, here's another plug. We've got the BetUS uh, betting show that comes out on Fridays, 1 Eastern time. You can also see it depending on when you're hearing us. You can see it after that through the BetUS TV channels, the BetUS um, YouTube page as well. Okay, Tank Davis is favored significantly on the BetUS line at minus 1,000, 10 to 1. Rolly Romero, 6 to 1 underdog, plus 600. The over under those six and a half rounds, I'm with you. If Romero comes right at Tank Davis, this could be over quickly to the negative for Romero. This could be a, a quick knockout depending on if he comes right at him. I'm looking at that under attractively at six and a half rounds. Your thought real quick? I agree with you, and I think it's same. If, you know, if Raleigh really does go at him and happens to land that big punch, it's probably going to be in the early part of the fight, not as the fight goes along. So uh, I know uh, uh, we didn't get the over-under on the fight that we thought was free money last week on the four and a half. I forget which fight. Which Benavides. fight was that? The Benavides, yeah, the Benavides Lemieux right. fight. I thought that would go long, a little bit longer than that. It turned out to be three rounds. At six and a half rounds on on, uh, on Gervonta Davis and Rolly Romero, I say free money again on the under. All right, like that. Uh, before we're gone here in making the predictions, uh, by the way, weigh in just real quick. I was talking with Raul. I said, who do you compare Javante Davis to right now? Probably not fair to compare him to Floyd Mayweather, who's bigger, did much more. But at this point in his career, I said, probably not fair on Pernell Whitaker, who was so slick. He's a Hall of Famer, great defensive fighter. Does Javante Davis remind you, Dan Rayfield, of anybody? Or as Raul said, hey, he's his own guy. He doesn't really remind me of either of those guys. And Raul even said in the conversation that um, that he sparred with Pernell Whitaker and it's not a fair comparison because Pernell was so slick and so elusive. I mean, to me, Pernell's it's like that would name would never dawn on me. And other than the fact that they're both uh, black fighters and that they're both southpaws, right. I don't think that anything smaller else. Smaller weight and smaller weight. You know, right, right. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, Pernell, of course, was the was the champion as, as undisputed champion in the lightweight division uh, before he moved up in weight. But there's nothing about Tank Davis that reminds me of Pernell other than uh, they're, they're southpaws. Um, I don't compare him to Floyd Mayweather at all, other than the fact that that Floyd's company is the promoter of uh, right. of him at this point. Um, no, I, yeah, I think Raul was right about that. I mean, sometimes you look at certain fighters and you're like, you know, that guy reminds me of this guy or he's got a style reminiscent of this guy. In the, in the, in the style of, uh, of Tank Davis, he doesn't really remind me. I mean, back a few years ago when I was still working at ESPN, we did a story where uh, a couple of us collaborated and we came up with a list of fighters currently of younger up and coming, uh, you know, popular fighters or, or, fi or fighters on the rise. And it was sort of like who may not be the most well-known. And, and the, the gist of the story was if you like watching this guy and it was a famous uh, fighter or an old timer or a hall of famer or a superstar, mm -hmm. if you like watching that guy, you should check out this guy. So as an example, it was, if you like watching Mike Tyson, you might enjoy watching Gervonta Davis. So I'm not comparing them in terms of their accomplishments or right. their, 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 their fame or, or whatever. Just if you like watching an, a, a competent boxer, but who's also massively aggressive with outstanding power for the weight class. I mean, if you have to make the comparison, I know it's a reach. And I'm not saying they're the same right, guy, right. but but there are elements of the the style and the ferocity and the just naked aggression of a Gervonta Davis that does have some reminiscence of the way that the that the prime Tyson operated. Um, but I'm not saying he reminds me of Tyson of from the standpoint that they're the same weight class or whatever. But he, other than that, there's no there's no contemporary or even somebody I can think of from back in the day that really makes me think about. Uh, you know, that he compares favorably to.
All right, fair enough on that. Before we get out of here, the undercard uh, features eras Landy, Laura, and Spike O'Sullivan uh, from Ireland. Uh, Laura obviously still looking to be in the mix at middleweight. Uh, any thought on this? That's the co-feature fight, Showtime pay-per-view coming Saturday night. Any quick thought on that, Dan Rayfield? Well, I mean, it's it's really an Iris Landy Lara showcase fight because uh, he's been a, a tremendous fighter for a number of years in the junior middleweight division. Uh, he just moved up last year in his first fight at middleweight that took place literally almost a year ago to the day uh, where he won that second tier title uh, in, a, in a first round knockout of Thomas Lamana, who was completely out of his depth and completely overmatched. I kind of suspect that Spike O'Sullivan may not be as overmatched as Thomas Lamana was, but I don't think it's that far off. Every time Spike O'Sullivan has stepped up in class, he's been destroyed, basically. Uh, you know, David Lemieux in one round, for example, uh, beat by Billy Joe Saunders, beat by Chris Eubank Jr., etc. So, you know, maybe he'll make it exciting. Maybe he'll force the issue. Maybe he'll force uh, Lara, who sometimes can, you know, uh, just decide the box. Maybe he'll force him to be a little bit more aggressive. But, I mean, how do you not pick uh, Aristani Lara to do a dominating win in this one? Minus 2,000 on the bet U.S. line for Laura and the over-under <clears throat> seven and a half rounds on that one. Interesting on that. Again, we'll have more debate on the Bet U.S. show about the gambling angles of that. Find that show, Bet U.S. TV, and on the Bet U.S. YouTube where we're talking about <clears throat> spreads, et cetera. I think we've come to the end, my friend. Uh, let's see what happens with Gervonta Davis. I think we both think he wins. Let's see if he wins spectacularly and early in this pay-per-view. Uh, and then a big future ahead maybe for him, maybe a split from the money team. In terms of promoter, maybe not. He's he's hedging on that now late in the week that he may come back. He'll play his options and maybe come back to Floyd Mayweather. We'll see. Dan Rayfield, I always love the insight. I appreciate it. Let's see what happens this weekend, and we'll recap all of it on the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast, whatever happens, right? That sounds good. Enjoy the fights, everybody. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks also to Dan for getting the interview with Devin Haney. We thank the folks with uh, Top Rank that helped line that up before Devin went to Australia. Haney Cambosis next weekend. And again, thanks to the Showtime folks that helped us get Raul Marquez. He's on the Spanish broadcast call of Davis Romero on the pay-per-view. Coming up, I'm merely TJ Reeves. For Dan Rayfield, thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend Preview Podcast. Bye.